Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Wednesday, September 2nd, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes, our tribe beat writer. Hoynesy, we've, uh, we've had a chance now, after a couple of games, to see all three of the major league pieces to the Mike Clevenger trade that the Indians added. Uh, last night's big win uh, in Kansas City, uh, the offense finally came alive, and it gave acting manager Sandy Alomar Jr. Uh, a chance to, to play everybody get everybody a chance to get their feet wet. And so what are your first impressions of, of Josh Naylor, Cal Quantrill, and Austin Hedges in Indians uniforms? Yeah, you know, I like the fact that Naylor, you know, went the opposite way in his first hit as an Indian. And in the second inning, he went that way with authority. It, was, it didn't look like he did it by accident. Uh, and I liked the way he ran, ran the bases. I was, you know, I, he uh, – you know, you look at his profile and his and his five eleven two fifty. I was thinking the guy might look like a sports writer, but or a baseball. Writer, <laughs> but, uh, but he, I think he lost some weight. You know, and he he moved well. He he moved well, and uh, so you know, first first impression, first game is a good one. And and he also at the end of the game moved over to first base, which is a position that a, a lot of people have projected him to be more of a, a first baseman. Uh, than an outfielder, but of course Eric Hosmer was was at first base in San Diego, so that's why he was playing a lot of outfield. Uh, Carlos Santana is a you know pretty decent first baseman over there for the Indians, so it's not like he's going to move anybody because of his defense, but uh, just the uh, the option, the the ability to be able to to pick up an inning in the, at the end of a blowout game like that, uh, nice to have in in Josh Naylor. Yeah, and if you look down the road, you know as we've talked about before, if Santana isn't back. You know, maybe he's the first baseman of the future, or Bobby Bradley gets a look. I don't know if Bobby Bradley is the from if he's off on 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 the lost island somewhere. If he's been like cast adrift, but uh, um, well, and don't know, forget Jake Bowers' primary position. And Jake Bowers well. too, yeah, yeah. We they, they're stacked up there, so you know, lots of lots of decisions to make there. All right, Cal Quantrill did come in, uh, worked the the final two innings. Nice to give give him the ability to sort of finish off a game and, and walk off the mound, uh, you know, having thrown the last strike of the game. Yeah. And he, you know, he, he threw hard. Um, uh, I think he was at 95, 96. I, I didn't think he threw that hard, um, you know, and, uh, you know, talking to him on the zoom call before games really liked his attitude. He was upbeat, very confident. He want, you could tell he wants to start. 
but he's willing to, uh, you know, do whatever it takes this season to help the Indians win. And, uh, you know, you could see him as a, as a, a bridge guy, you know, Joe, uh, get from the starter to, uh, to uh, uh, you know, Karen Chack or Whitgren late. Uh, maybe, you know, the role that uh, Cal Hill, Cal, uh, uh, Cam, uh, <laughs> Cam, Cam Hill. Hill. Yeah, Cam Hill was holding before he, uh, you know, got sent down to to make room for police act. Right, and I, you know, last night he did show, uh, you know, flashes of that that pitch mix that he talked about in the game uh, or in the in the pregame uh, uh, Zoom calls. Uh, he's primarily as a reliever. He's a he's a a two seam fastball slider guy. You know, moving in, in east west directions against the the hitters. Uh, he does have a, a changeup that he thinks is is still a plus pitch. Uh, through that once or twice last night. So, you know, just to have a guy with the, in that bridge role who's got a starter's mentality and a starter's toolkit is also, you know, something that could, could benefit the Indians in some way. Yeah, you know, who knows what's going to happen in these last, uh, you know, three, four, three weeks of the season. Maybe they run into a doubleheader. Maybe they need a spot starter. I don't know if he's stretched out enough to, you know, do that, but he could be an opener. You know, so uh, that gives you, you know, some options there. Right. Uh, and then Austin Hedges, of course, uh, came in, blocked a few balls in the dirt. Uh, uh, I guess Sandy said that he's going to start Friday's game with Carrasco on the mound. So yeah. we'll, we'll get a, a better look at his uh, his pitch calling ability in, in that game. But as far as what we expected out of Austin Hedges, he gave us what, what we expected. He came in. Uh, you know, played a little defense, blocked some balls in the dirt, and then struck out and is only a bat. Yeah, and, uh, you know, another guy that, you know, kind of blows you away personality-wise, uh, really came across good in his uh, interview, uh, you know, with the, with the media. Um, uh, you, you can tell he, he loves catching. He loves working with pitchers. Um, I don't, you know, and really wasn't too concerned about trying to, how, what the amount of playing time was going to be you know, with three catchers, with, uh, you know, Perez, Sandy Leone, and himself. You know, I, I still don't know if this guy is a permanent fixture with the Indians. Maybe they trade him again in, in the offseason. But he's certainly, you know, you've got two of the best defensive catchers, you know, from the, from the National League and now in the American League, too. So, you know, that's a, that's a plus, and uh, we'll see where it goes. Well, we know that pitch calling and defense are two things that Terry Francona – uh, values pretty highly in his catchers. So anything offensively is a, is a bonus. Uh, Hedges hit 18 home runs in a season a couple yeah. years ago. So so who knows uh, what, what the future holds there. But, uh, again, that's the return for Mike Clevenger at the major league level. Uh, we're, we're still sort of exploring what we got, what the Indians got uh, in terms of prospects uh, in Gabriel Arias, Owen Miller, and Joey Cant Cantilio. Can, Cantilio? Cantilio? Well, we're, we're getting slammed because uh, I don't think either of us uh, have, have nailed down the pronunciation <laughs> of Joey Cantillo. 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 We're going to go with Cantillo. I, but, again, not, please, we don't, we're not making fun of, uh, of Joe's name here. It's just uh, uh, we haven't seen a pronunciation guide yet. So when we do, we'll, uh, we'll be sure to nail it down. Uh, we did ask our readers on subtext uh, cleveland.com slash subtext. Uh, you can subscribe for $3.99 a month and, and get uh, all the information. Hey, uh, trade deadline, we were pumping out uh, texts. Uh, as soon as we knew information about the trade, we were sending it along to our, our subtext subscribers. 
Uh, we asked our, our readers there uh, what they thought of the return for the Mike Levenger trade. And also uh, if Zach Plesak has, is, is the guy to sort of fill in and step in in that role in, uh, to take Levenger's place in the rotation. And, uh, and they had some, some overwhelming response. So let's, uh, let's jump in there and read a few of them and, and just get your reaction to what the, uh, what the folks have said about uh, John Taylor, Austin Hedges, Cal Quantrill, and police X role in the rotation. Um, uh, this uh, subscriber says, I wouldn't say we barreled the ball, but we got on base and I'm good with police and Clevenger's spot. Clevenger's funky mechanics scare me for a starter. So uh, there's a, a, you know, first, first reader uh, sort of bringing up the idea that Clevenger might be a, a little more injury prone than the average uh, number one ace starter. Uh, having missed a few games last year, a few starts, a couple of months, actually. Uh, so, you know, that's that's something to be aware of. Yeah, and, and there's still, um, you know, the Indians were still concerned about his knee surgery in February. You know, he had, what, three months uh, with downtime with the because of the virus and came back and was and was still kind of feeling his way in, in, with his mechanics in uh, spring 22 and, you know, his first two or three starts with the Indians. It's going to be interesting to see how he, uh, how you know, how, just how he, you know, recovers from that if he's all the way back. All right, our next reader uh, writes us. I would have been more upset had they traded Plesac. He will be our number two. I don't have a clue about the prospects other than what I read, but they seem fine. Naylor will be a good fourth outfielder. Quantrill looks like the real deal. I loved Clev, but I completely understand why they had to move him. Honestly, there were no other outfielders on the market that made more sense than this deal. Uh, and that sort of echoes something that uh, Chris Antonetti said, uh, that, you know, everybody seemed to be a buyer at the, uh, at the trade deadline, and there wasn't really a huge market for outfielders out there. Yeah, and, uh, you know, they were in on Starling Marte. Um, they uh, talked to Arizona before the Arizona sent them to the Marlins. You know, they've been in, in on Marte for the last two years. He talked to the Pirates about him before they sent him to Arizona. But, you know, he's going to be a free agent next year, Joe. And I don't think you can trade Clevenger for, you know, for a guy that could walk at the end of, end of this year. You're just renting him, basically. So, I, I, you know, I wonder if Clevenger was even in those talks, if they were talking about other players. All right. Uh, this one from a Toledo uh, subscriber says, I'm not overwhelmed or underwhelmed by the trade just kind of on the fence for the return for 2020 and a first place team. My biggest worry is I haven't really heard anyone talk about uh, the three prospects uh, going without any game development this year. So how, how would you uh, describe them? Um, what are we really getting in those guys? Less value, more impact may have been better. Plesak learned from Clevenger. So yes, he is a worthy replacement. Uh, that's from Mark in Norwalk. Yeah, I mean, you got you had to be impressed with Plesac last night. I know he's pitching; he's not pitching against the twenty-seven Yankees, but uh -huh. uh, you know the the uh, the Royals, you know, beat beat the Indians the night before, and you know they Bieber threw six scoreless innings, and it's you know it didn't matter; they they still lost. So you know this, you know, Plesac was coming what coming off of, he hadn't pitched in a big league game since August eighth, and he looked dominant. He and he's he's four and zero lifetime against the Royals, so this is a you know they picked their spots for his return, but still, that was a, that was an impressive performance. 
And, you know, that's the way he's pitched all year, don't you think, Joe? I mean, that wasn't a yeah. creation or anything. That was uh, – Sandy Alomar echoed that in his uh, comments after the game. Said it looked like he didn't even – he never left. So, uh, that's probably the best compliment you can pay Lisak after, you know, six innings, uh, six strikeouts, uh, and I believe no walks. Uh, he, yeah. he just – he went out and, and fired it. And, and even um, when they you – know, even when he was – sort of nibbling around the outside corners of the, the plate. The umpire last night had a, a, a pretty defined strike zone. Um, you know, he, he was able to self-correct and, and throw throw strikes on the plate and get the batters to swing and miss. So uh, it was uh, a, a pretty impressive performance. Uh, yeah, this, I mean, he's got 30 strikeouts, two walks, and two walks in 27 innings. Wow. That's great. Uh, and, and he had a, a scoreless inning streak of like 12 innings snapped when he, he gave up that home run uh, yeah. late in the game as well. Uh, this from Phil in Columbus. I'm a fan of the trade. In an ideal world, Paul Dolan would pay both Clevenger and Bieber and Lindor for that matter. Uh, but given the Indians' financial situation and how Clevenger's salary would strap them as he enters arbitration, I think the Indians traded him at a time where the, the drop-off from Clevenger to their sixth starter isn't super steep. Which is a, a a good point. They they sort of timed up the trade and, and sort of maximized that in terms of the depth in their organization. Uh, while Quantrill and Naylor's presence may or may not be felt this year, it feels like they have positioned themselves to get better in the future without losing too much in the present, and maybe actually make themselves better in the present too. If Josh Naylor can be an upgrade in left field and Quantrill can make a meaningful impact in the bullpen, so so Phil's looking at it uh, sort of positively. Uh, you know, can't really blame him for being optimistic, but, uh, again, that's, he, he makes a good point about, you know, in an ideal world, the Indians would have been able to pay Clevenger and Bieber, you know, as soon as they realized what the two of them were, you know, uh, in, in back in 2018. Exactly. You know, they could have extended them or, you know, maybe I'm sure they did talk extension with them and it didn't go anywhere, but, uh. You know that that would have been ideal, like you said. Like you said, and you know they talked, they talked on and off about extensions with Lindor, and it's gotten nowhere. Uh, this from Kurt in Rochester, New York. In a short series, Plesek is the same as Clevenger, so they don't lose much in that one spot. In addition, by subtraction, Tristan McKenzie is going to be strong, in in a in maybe even in long relief in a short series. Uh, they need bats. They needed bats, but I say. Uh, dance with the girl who brought you pitching tribe is starting to hit. They just have a problem with clutch hits and dumb base running <laughs> tribe in six, get a championship under the Indians. Uh, so, so Kurt wants them to do it before they change their name. Uh, that's uh, you bring up a point, you know, Tristan McKenzie with a uh, fastball curveball mix could slot in, in the playoffs as a, as a guy who comes out of the pen. If you need a guy for a strikeout. Yeah. You know, uh, I think we talked about this before. I mean, remember how uh, Tampa Bay used David Price? They brought him up uh, in, in 2008 when they got to the World Series. They kind of picked their spots for him late in games. He came in throwing like 90, 99 miles an hour. And uh, the Red Sox really couldn't touch him in the, in the ALCS. And, uh, you know, maybe you, you, use, you, know, you, you use McKenzie that way. You know, that's, that's, that's a good point. And, uh, you know, I, I was, it was interesting, uh, Carl Willis, said yesterday about McKenzie that, you know, uh, you know, McKenzie has a great, the great, you know, debut against the Tigers, six innings, 10 Ks, 
not so great against St. Louis. And he, and he said, you know, he just wanted a little more intensity from, uh, from Tristan uh, in, in his bullpens. So, you know, I think uh, he got that Sunday in St. Louis in preparation for tonight's game. So it's going to be interesting to see how that works. I'm sure it's just a kid, you know, he, he hasn't pitched in about a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, still feeling his way in, in an organization that, you know, doesn't want to stress this kid because, uh, you know, he, he's definitely the future. He's got a great arm, and they don't want to hurt him when, when he's pitching in a bullpen. All right. Uh, let's uh, jump in, uh, take one or two more here. Uh, this writer from the 440 area code, a total whiff, no big bat. Uh, honestly, I, I, I love Terry Pluto and his writings, but he blew it again this morning by defending the cheap Dolans, uh, basically saying the Dolans can't afford to make an $8 million uh, front of the ro- rotation pitcher uh, when, uh, to, to sign an $8 million front of the rotation pitcher when Clevenger becomes available. Give me a break. The Dolans, once again, sell the team to Dan Gilbert or somebody in Cleveland who can compete financially with even San Diego's, uh, the San Diego's of the, uh, of the major leagues. You Dolans obviously can't, or maybe I should say won't. Uh, so this guy uh, uh, really going in on the Dolans as the the, the sort of masterminds behind the, the trade. Uh, really the, the financial situation, the Indians haven't made, uh, you know, any sort of bones about how what, what their situation is right now. It's pretty dire. And uh, to, to be able to make the statement that they can't afford an $8 million front of the rotation pitcher is, is pretty accurate. Yeah. Hey, I don't think they'd run, run from that statement. I don't think Anton Eddie did, all, didn't deny it. And, uh, you know, it is, it, it, it does aggravate you it, as a fan, as, as even, you know, as a fan, as somebody from the outside looking in, I've seen this time and time again, where, you know, they've cut loose good, good players, you know, Victor Martinez and Cliff Lee, you know, and, uh, you know, I think Cliff Lee still had two years left. He had just coming off or a year, at least a year left uh, of control. And, you know, I think, you know, they know when they reach a certain point where they, they're being pushed uh, to the limit or whatever their limit is, the ownership, that they're going to deal these guys. And uh, thank goodness they've got a guy like Plesek behind them. But uh, I understand your frustration. I really do. Okay. And, and this one from Marvin Phoenix. Uh, he says, yes, police act is fine. I think the trade was good, addressing needs now and later. I predict Naylor and Quantrill will perform better than expected, especially if last night is any indication. Now they just need to get this feast or famine offense to be more consistent. Uh, and that really is that you, you've just sort of nailed the, the Cleveland Indians 2020 season in a nutshell so far. Uh, get the offense to be more consistent. Catch up to where the pitching is. And, uh, you know, with this trade moving forward, hopefully things have, have balanced out for the present and the future. Uh, that's, that's sort of been Chris Antonetti and Mike Chernoff's calling card the last three seasons. Uh, make deals at the deadline and, and try and balance, you know, uh, the present and the future. Uh, being able to afford guys as, as they move forward and uh, still put a competitive team out on the field. I think you hit the nail on the head, Joe. That's... Uh... That's exactly their uh, their plan, their their operational plan, and you know I'm I'm anxious to see the uh, you know uh, Gabriel Arias and uh, who, the Miller and uh, the, the left-hander Calido. <laughs> Joey Cantillo. Cantillo, yeah, and uh, there you go. We got a really good, uh, interesting scouting report on him. 
from hedges last night. That right. Uh, you know, left-hander kind of doesn't throw extremely hard. I think 88 to 90, but he said he throws an invisible fastball. You know, it's <laughs> sneaky. It gets past you. And, you know, good breaking ball, tall guy, 6'4". Um, and, uh, you know, uh, good extension. So, uh, you know, he's probably – well, he's only 20. He's only right. at A ball, right? right? So he's still two or three years away. But – it, it, he does sound like he has all the the, uh, the sort of makeup that the Indians like, and uh, maybe once the player development guys sink their uh, their their hooks into him, uh, they can add a couple of miles per hour to that fastball. And you know he's got a a, a couple of big uh, different kind of curveballs, that big slow hook I've seen on some uh, some film. So yeah, uh, this this could be a kid who who could be a piece in in a few years maybe uh, down the road. Uh, just like a Shane Bieber or a, um, a Zach Plesak coming up at a young age. Okay, two things I want to get to before we uh, before we cut this uh, this podcast loose. Uh, last night after the ball game, it was Josh Naylor talking about his first hit uh, with the Indians and uh, Framo Reyes going five for five with two doubles, uh, home run, uh, finishing a cycle a triple short of the cycle. Uh, Naylor ref- and uh, I'm sorry Reyes referred to Naylor as, you know, you know, brothers back and forth. Uh, again, Naylor's already got a brother in the Indians organization in Bo Naylor, who's working out in Eastlake. But uh, he also revealed that uh, Reyes's kids refer to Naylor as Uncle Josh. I thought that was pretty interesting that these guys are, are that close as, as friends in, in only a couple of seasons in uh, San Diego. Yeah, this is like, uh, it's become San Diego, or Pod, the Padres Midwest, the Indians have, they've got, you know, and I think uh, it seems to me uh, Reyes is the kind of guy that, you know, everybody kind of gravitates to toward. Mm-hmm. He seems like, you know, that big, friendly, always laughing, always smiling guy that, uh, you know, brings people together. Uh, I think, and you can tell, you know, Naylor and all the, you know, uh, Hedges, all, you know, uh, all those guys speak highly of him and, and uh, so it, it is kind of, it's, it's interesting. You, you don't just trade for one guy, you trade for six or seven guys from the same team and you bring whatever culture they had, whatever friendships they had into your clubhouse. And so far it seems to have worked uh, with the Indians. All right. Uh, the other point I wanted to make uh, after the game last night, Zach Plesak finally uh, sat down on a Zoom call with the media to address uh, not only his performance in the game, but he was also asked about, uh, that infamous Instagram video that he posted where he was driving around downtown ranting about the media coverage of his Chicago incident and breaking protocols uh, for COVID-19. Uh, what did you make of Zach Plesak's uh, sort of apology, I guess, uh, to to the folks that he criticized uh, during that video, uh, namely the reporters who, who cover the team on a, on a daily basis? Yeah, he backed off that, uh, Joe. He said, hey, if I hurt anybody, it wasn't unintentional or I didn't mean it, basically. Uh, he said, if I could do it over, you know, either A, I wouldn't probably do the, do the video or, or B, I would, I would make a different kind of video that came out differently because, you know, the, 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 the thing that struck me about that whole thing, Joe, is he came on and said him and Clevenger, he, he never really m- mentioned Clevenger, but he said, you know, it was it was inferred that they'd been dragged through the mud by the media, that that the media was terrible. That, and uh, then I, I believe the word he used was disgusting. But go ahead. Yeah, disgusting. And and he said, uh, 
then he just confirmed everything the, the media had been, we, we'd been writing about the incident. He, right. he went through it blow by blow. So it wasn't like we got anything wrong. I think it was the fact that he got caught. Part of that too is I think he conflated the, the media's coverage with the public's response, which you know, you, you're more easily able to see on Twitter or any of the social media platforms or even in comments on stories. Uh, he, he sort of lumped the media in with people who were criticizing him for what he did, calling for his trade or calling for his release or, or whatever. And that's definitely not what reporters did when they cover the incident. Uh, reporters report facts, regardless of, of what anybody out there in any sort of position of power wants to tell you. Our job isn't to, uh, you know, make a change through getting uh, a guy traded or anything like that. It's, it's to report the facts of what happened. Uh, and then maybe in a column weigh in on uh, what we think our opinion is uh, about it. But uh, honestly, at, at, at that point, I don't think anybody was calling for police acts head. They were just saying that, uh, you know, what he did was wrong and he needed to apologize. And, and to that point he hadn't. So uh, again, uh, last night, uh, just getting uh, police acts response and seeing him, sort of back off of, of his criticisms from earlier uh, last month was, uh, you know, was at least a step in the right direction. Who, who knows uh, what, what we're going to see out of him uh, in terms of dealing with the media for the rest of the, his time in Cleveland. Yeah, I think he'll be fine, Joe. I really <laughs> do. I mean, everybody makes a mistake. And, uh, you know, it's just uh, one of those things. Uh, it just snowballed on him because, right. uh, you know, he just didn't, I mean, it, it happened at the wrong time and in the wrong season, in the wrong circumstances. And he, he ended up, you know, putting his teammates and the whole traveling party, him and, you know, in, in, in danger of being exposed to the virus. And it was not, it's not something you can just, uh, Hey, my bad. You can't say that and walk away from it. Well, and the Indians certainly didn't allow him to do that. So hopefully he grows from this. He said he's, he's going to grow from it. And, uh, and he pitched great last night. Uh, that goes a long way in healing, healing the, uh, the rift in the clubhouse. And, you know, we got Clevenger out of the way. We've got, we got Pulisak out of the way in, in their, you know, their, their comebacks. And they're being welcomed back into the clubhouse. Uh, Ple you know, Clevenger wasn't here long after that. And hopefully Pulisak will be here longer and, and establish the kind of career that, that Clevenger had in Cleveland. Those are just some of the some of the most uncomfortable and awkward uh, Zoom calls you'll ever be on as a, as a reporter. All right, Hoinsey, uh, one more game in Kansas City before an off day on Thursday. We will be back with you uh, tomorrow morning or afternoon or, or whenever we get around to it, recording a Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Uh, we'll check in with you then. Thanks, Joe.